Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. It's Thanksgiving, and we all know what that means. Football! And nothing goes better with football than turkey and betting. BetOnline has you covered all holiday season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus with the promo code BLEAV. B-L-E-A-V. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, or good night. However, and whenever it is, you may be listening. Thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of The Take It. Easy Podcast Live on the Believe Podcast Network, except it isn't live because it's a podcast. Welcome in, everybody. It is Wednesday, November 24th, according to my count, and we've got a fantastic show today. Get ready for Black Friday college football with our good friend, Razor. Rosenthal, who you can check out over on Beer Life Sports, Beer Life Official, all of your favorite places on Instagram with the link in the description to today's episode. And let's get to it. I've got nothing else for us here today. Let's roll along with our friend Razor Rosenthal here before a lovely final week of college football. And we can laugh at all the results that happened last week as well. Yeah, you know, well, by the time people listen to it, it'll be much later than that in the week because I want this to be kind of like the the unofficial Black Friday college football podcast because I love how college football has decided to absorb Black Friday as they're, uh, we're going to dominate this weekend of college football as well. And I, uh, I wanted to ask you about all the crazy stuff outside of Ohio State and Michigan that's going to happen this week. And obviously we have thanksgiving football so uh you nailed it on the utah thing you, you, you were the one who said one of the two games utah is going to find a way to beat oregon and lo and behold utah just dominated oregon this weekend <laughs> oh my gosh it was so yeah great. and yeah i loved utah this weekend they are a tougher team they're a smarter team and that's not an easy place to play at salt lake city with the altitude and oregon really just has had a pretty weak schedule ever since traveling to Columbus. So this was their first true test in the month of October and November. And they'll have a chance. I I would assume we're looking at the Pac-12 championship uh, a couple weeks from now, and that's a different track, right? The game is going to be played in Las Vegas. So the speed of the game changes dramatically. The the weather elements are no factor. And that's where I think it almost shifts to where – you may want to look at Oregon probably at a, a really good point spread of maybe Utah favored by one or two 
three. We'll see as we get, you know, closer to that game. But now I kind of flip the script, Kyle. I kind of like Oregon as we get to that championship game. But let's see, you know, what happens in the Civil War and other games coming up here before that. Oh, that's the other fun part. Have you uh, paid any attention to the Pac-12 tiebreakers right now? No, I haven't. And honestly, I, I could be wrong. I mean, maybe, maybe we don't have a, a sure thing with Oregon, Utah. Is it possible that the Civil War is up, uh, puts in the, uh, the, number, the number one team from the North? Is that right? Not just that. So if Oregon wins, Oregon, Oregon wins, wins, it's over. Like that, you know, straightforward. Oregon wins, they're in the Pac-12 championship. If Oregon State beats Oregon, then that means Wazoo controls their own destiny in the Pac-12 North. So if Wazoo wins the uh, what the internet has dubbed the Crapple Cup on Friday, then <laughs> Wazoo, with an Oregon loss, would win despite firing their coach midseason. They would play for the Pac-12 championship against... Utah, which would be the most perfect finish I've ever heard of if Wazoo ends up winning the Pac-12 North this year. You know, Wazoo's a sneaky team. You know, they have a good quarterback. They have experience at quarterback. The defense is not good, but they have weapons. And I would be really excited to see Wazoo end up in the Pac-12 championship where, you know, that that, that school desperately needs um, some sort of attention and some love from the national scene. But Oregon is home, I believe, in the Civil War. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and, and, and let's just let's pencil in the ducks in the Pac twelve yes. championship. I should mention also in the spirit of this chaos tiebreaker from the chaos Pac twelve we've been laughing at the entire year is if Oregon State wins and Wazoo loses to Washington, then that would mean that the Beavers get to play in the Pac twelve championship, which is a ridiculous chaos scenario to close out the Pac-12 season. Probably going to be Oregon again, but I just want to believe that there's a scenario where Washington State emerges victorious from the just total anarchy in the Pac-12 this year. Yep. Now that's going to be an interesting game to see unfold. And I believe the Apple Cup is played the the day after Thanksgiving. Is that right? I believe so. It's usually on that Friday. So I, yep. I would think that the uh, the Apple Cup will be played then, along with my favorite bowl game every year for no – or not bowl game, my favorite game every year, which is the 9 a.m. Black Friday Iowa-Nebraska game. I believe both of those will be on Friday, as they usually are every year. Yeah, Kyle, before your time when I was growing up, and even in high school and college, that Black Friday game – with Nebraska used to involve Colorado. It was a great Big 12 game, a lot of tradition there, the border states, uh, and when Colorado was relevant. But Iowa has been a good replacement for Colorado when it comes to uh, Nebraska needing a rival in the Big 10. So I like what they've done there and continuing the tradition of a Black Friday game between Iowa and Nebraska. And Nebraska just, you know, again, a, a team that, has played better than last year, but the end results are just not there. What Nebraska three and eight, Scott Frost, huge disappointment, but uh, you know, they could score. And I think they're going to give Iowa a lot of problems on Friday. Would you like to hear my favorite stat of the entire college football season surrounding Nebraska? Go ahead. I'd love to. Nebraska this year in conference play is one and six right now. Um, Michigan state, I believe is five and two in Big Ten play. Uh, Michigan State in conference play has a point differential of plus six. Nebraska has a point differential of plus seven. Oh, wow. Um, uh, people score in Nebraska. 
That's uh, that's the problem. Yeah. It has been a rough year for Nebraska because they're one in six and have a positive point differential in conference play because they only lost to Michigan by three and Ohio State by seven. And, you know, they almost beat Rutgers. It was, it's been, or not Rutgers. Um, who's the other team there? The, what, what who's the, who's the team? Wisconsin. That's what I'm thinking of. They wrong, lost wrong to Wisconsin by seven. Yep. 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 Wrong red team. It's like they didn't play Rutgers or would have lost to Rutgers. They would have beaten Rutgers, I imagine. But yeah, it's been a rough, bad luck year for Nebraska. Uh, What else do we have here? Can you hear me? I can. Yep. Sorry, I lost you for a second. Yeah, no, no problem. I was I heard a silence. I was like, all right, let's go back here. So uh, what else is fun this weekend other than uh, obviously Ohio? Actually, let's do Ohio State-Michigan talk because this is kind of like a de facto like quarterfinal game where you've actually put like real stakes behind this. Even if I think Ohio State's a pretty big favorite going into the game, it's still fun that you put stakes behind a college football game like this where everyone is going to be watching on Saturday morning. Yeah, we, we talked about a little bit last week how – Michigan is one of the few teams, along with Oklahoma State, to get to the Final Four. Well, here is their chance. They are, uh, you know, I don't know the point spread. The game is in, in in Ann Arbor. I could try to guess the point spread. Ohio State ranked number four versus number six Michigan. I'm going to guess that the Buckeyes are going to lay just over a touchdown. Let's throw the number of eight at, out out. You know, let's throw number eight out there for for our viewers. And uh, I just don't think Ohio state can get into double digits on the road against a very good Michigan team. I think Michigan should have really picked apart Michigan state kind of lost concentration, foolish errors. Michigan should be 11 and zero, And I think the Buckeyes are probably an eight to nine point favorite on the road. And, and honestly, I, I don't think that Michigan has enough firepower. They do have a pretty good defense, but not enough firepower to win this game. But I think they have a chance to cover the number. Uh, according to our friends at Bet Online Sportsbook, it is exactly an eight-point spread in favor of okay. Ohio State going into okay. the Michigan game. Yeah, it's you know, and I'll tell you what, Kyle, it's been a long time since this number has been under ten. So, you know, I guess that's a good thing for Michigan and their program. They're finally under a ten-point spread against the Ohio State Buckeyes, their arch rival, the team from the South. I, I lean I lean towards Michigan uh, as far as covering the number here very slight lean, but I think you got to throw Ohio State in a lot of your money line parlays this weekend. Well, what are you thinking about in terms of your personal gambling side? Are you looking at something like an Egg Bowl or something like a, an Arkansas versus Missouri game, or you know the magical Florida State Florida game where? Florida and Florida State are both trying to get bowl eligible, but also couldn't care less whether they become bowl eligible or not. That's a sad game, by the way. That that's that's really really sad to see Florida and Florida State become a completely irrelevant game on the schedule, which used to be such an important clash of two teams competing for you know the national championship. This is probably way before playoffs, but one of those teams if they won that game would have a chance for one of those, you know, de facto national championship games before the BCS system. But that is certainly not the case anymore. My money line parlay. You know, I think it's funny that we talked about this uh, many, many weeks ago in your podcast of what a look ahead money line parlay would be. And I believe I had Ohio state 
uh, over Oregon in one of my money line parlays back around mid-September. So we're going to go back to those two teams, Kyle, and let's go ahead and lay Oregon and Ohio State together. Let's pair them up on Saturday. Ohio State playing at noon, Oregon playing at 3.30. That's my money line parlay of the day, the two featured games. I think the Ducks take care of business in the Civil War. I think the Buckeyes will slip by Michigan, maybe maybe by a touchdown, maybe a backdoor cover where, where Ohio State is up by 14 and Michigan scores a garbage touchdown at the end to disappoint all the Buckeye betters. But I don't see either of those teams losing. I think Oregon has a problem at quarterback. But I do think that Oregon State will struggle to score a lot of points against this pretty good defense in Eugene. Oregon, Ohio State, Moneyline Parlay probably pays a little bit, you know, under the even money value. But I still think you can probably get solid value about minus 130 on that parlay. I know we've talked about the Miami situation in the past, but there is a ton of connection with Mario Cristobal and the University of Miami. So do you think that this is a last hoorah coming up here for Mario this weekend? I think there's almost a better chance Cristobal uh, ends up in Los Angeles than there is in Coral Gables. I, I, I mean, I know Cristobal is a, a legend down there in Coral Gables. Offensive lineman, won the national championship as a player with under Dennis Erickson. But, I mean, I, I, think, I think you have to really put it into perspective of how difficult it is to win at Miami. Uh, they, they have been bad for so long. I think there's a better chance he ends up at USC. I, but you know what? If you're Mario Cristobal, though, Kyle, I, I just don't see why you leave Oregon at, at the same time. I mean, I think I think you have you're, you're in a winning combination up there. You're, you are the king of the Pacific Northwest. You are probably the king of the whole West Coast. I think it's probably just as easy to recruit talent to Eugene as it is currently in Los Angeles. Uh, I have a gut feeling he stays in the Pac-12, and I think he stays at Oregon or travels south to USC. I think the Miami Hurricanes really are, are looking at the lane train. I think Lane Kiffin is going to be out of Oxford, and I think he ends up at, at an SEC school at UF, LSU, or Miami. So my prediction is Cristobal stays in the Pac-12 somehow. What do you think the Florida job does in terms of like changing decision-making for some of these guys? Like If you're Mel Tucker and you're being wooed by LSU, are you like immediately pivoting? Or if you're James Franklin and you're looking at other jobs, does Florida change the math for you? Or is Florida not as desirable as LSU or USC? Or is there, is there another job open? I think Washington's open. I don't think Washington's that desirable. But more specifically, I guess LSU and USC. You know, I think Florida presents an opportunity that is just as attractive as LSU. You're looking at the same conference, obviously different divisions. You avoid trying to win your conference with Alabama being in the East. Of course, Georgia right now is the king of college football. Uh, Florida is probably still the number one state of overall high school players to recruit from. So you're recruiting in your backyard. I think Dan Mullen had a really nice start at UF and things have just, you know, dramatically gone down. I don't have an explanation why it's gone down, but to answer your question, I think UF is just as attractive as LSU. The passionate fan base, probably a slight edge towards LSU. Uh, It's probably easier to get student athletes in at UF and LSU over a private school like USC. So I, I, I think Florida really needs to make the right hire. They need to take their time and, and figure out a guy that, can also produce on offense. I think Florida at times has, has, has been very shaky on offense. Um, obviously hiring defensive minds before Dan Mullen was not a thing that worked out well for them. Um, Dan Mullen has produced some really good players and players that are competing in the NFL, but 
it was a good it was a time for a change. Uh, Dan Mullen's record against good teams at UF and at Mississippi State. When I mean good teams, top twenty-five teams has been atrocious. Uh, you can't do that at Florida. Florida has an expectation to win. Um, could we be shocked? I don't think, and nothing shocks me anymore in, in the world of sports. But why not have Urban Meyer uh, drive I-10 West, then travel seventy-five <laughs> South, and you know let him take another stab at this because he's probably in better shape in Gainesville than he is in Jacksonville. Oh, they can't let him come back after I, I, even a decade after everything that happens, like. And the way he went out and the leaving the, the program in scandal, I, he can't go back. Could he? Could he? he no, could he I, I'm just, I'm, I'm just oh. being, I'm being, I'm being facetious. It's not happening. <laughs> of but course. Uh, of course, you know, just one of those situations where it makes for fun content and talk, but no urban Meyer is either going to be fired at, in Jacksonville or remaining on that team because he's he, these, I don't know how these NFL teams or college teams, can sustain these buyout contracts. I think Urban Meyer, excuse me, Urban Meyer gets another chance uh, next year in Jacksonville. I've been saying it for like eight weeks. Just fire Daryl Bevel, and it might give Urban Meyer a chance. If you just fire Daryl Bevel, you might have a chance there for Jacksonville. And I don't know if they're going to do it or not, but should have been fired after like week three because it was clearly a bad hire. Uh, why is Wake Forest only have one conference loss when they lost to North Carolina and Clemson? What's going on with that? Yeah, the ACC has a, a really weird um, rule here this year. Not a rule, but I'll be, I don't know how, what the right word to use. Uh, it's 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 a it's a term. I think they they have. I I don't even know the term, but you get a pass against a a team uh, a cross division team where it doesn't affect your win loss record. Um, whether you win or lose. So Wake Forest was paired up with Carolina, and perhaps Clemson would was paired up with with um, another coastal school if they play Virginia uh, or Virginia Tech. And what that does is it alleviates the win-loss record. So their loss to UNC, because that's the school that Wake Forest was designated to in this bizarre special matchup deal, doesn't count. Um, it's I don't understand it, Kyle. I don't know why the ACC uh, instituted it this year, but it helped. Wake Forest out tremendously because a two-loss Wake Forest team would have a lot of pressure going into uh, this Saturday. But regardless, the Wake Forest Demon Deacons uh, have to win uh, it, to, to get to the AC Championship because the Wolfpack are a five-and-a-half-point favorite, I believe, what I heard on the radio today against Carolina. And if Wake Forest loses to Boston College and NC State defeats UNC Chapel Hill, then NC State's going to Charlotte. Oh, it's not Clemson? Clemson wouldn't even get it. That's crazy. No, <laughs> I, I thought it would be Clemson would get. Wow, that's crazy. Well, yeah, I NC thought State Clemson beat. was getting screwed, but NC State's getting screwed. Well, NC State lost to Wake Forest straight up, so um, they deserve to not get in. If uh, even if Wake Forest wins on Saturday, I believe Wake Forest is um, rightfully so the ACC Atlantic champions. Clemson did lose. To NC State. So, you know, Clemson does have that ACC loss on their resume. They have a Pittsburgh loss on their resume. So uh, I don't remember how many other ACC losses Clemson has. Perhaps they may not have any more. Uh, do they have any other ACC losses? Uh, they do not. It looks like in the scenario you were talking about, uh, NC State would be 6-2, and two, Clemson would be 6-2, and two, and right now Wake Forest is 6-1. and one. So they would be 6-2 and two if they lose to BC this weekend in the – 
game I was hoping would be a playoff quarterfinal a few weeks ago with undefeated Wake Forest and undefeated Boston College. Yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, I mean, Wake Forest versus Pittsburgh uh, in the ACC championship game may draw the smallest crowd at Bank of America Stadium history. So uh, I think the ACC is begging for Wake Forest to lose to Boston College and for NC State to beat Carolina. But that's asking a lot out of uh, Boston College, who they're just not a good team. It is at home. Maybe it's cold. Maybe there's some luck there. So if you're a Wolfpack fan, uh, good opportunity to cheer for the Eagles this week. Gosh, this is going to be such a weird conference championship week because I'm going down the line. I'm like, okay, Ohio State is going to play against uh, Wisconsin, Iowa, like – I'm not sure on that one. And then you've got like Oklahoma against like Baylor. <laughs> and then you've just got the one behemoth of Alabama and Georgia, along with uh, Wake Forest, a whole lot of Wake Forest and Pitt and Wazoo playing on championship weekend this year. And then you just have one behemoth Alabama, Georgia game. Yeah. Georgia, Alabama uh, in, in, uh, in Atlanta, that's going to be a special game. But the, the rest of these, uh, conference championship games boy man i don't know i mean are we excited about the big 12 championship uh it looks like baylor's gonna get a spot maybe because someone's gonna have to lose bedlam this weekend whether it's oklahoma or probably gonna be oklahoma state but whether it's oklahoma state or oklahoma someone's gonna lose and then have the same record as baylor so i'd say probably Probably Baylor and Oklahoma, which is not that exciting. I know Baylor beat them earlier in the year, but it's not doesn't doesn't get me out of my chair excited for number eleven Oklahoma versus number fourteen Baylor. No, it doesn't. And I mean that's where we're at. That's where we're at in uh, college football. I, I think again, I repeated this on your show. Um, just not a not a great year, you know. I think I think we're looking at two teams that should just play the national championship next weekend in Atlanta. And let's just call it a day, you know, between uh, Alabama and Georgia. But that's not what's going to happen. Maybe the Buckeyes uh, find a way to win as they typically do in these final four games. They shocked the world against Clemson last year. And perhaps they do it again against Georgia and or Alabama. Well, I don't know, because you've obviously been on the Ohio State bandwagon all the way through the year saying they're going to be the best team. They're going to be the best team. And now you stack Ohio state up against Alabama and I'm looking at that as a two, three matchup. I'm like, give me that all day, every day. I want to see that, that Ohio state team versus that Alabama team and kind of be like, throw my hands up. I don't know who's going to win that game at this point. So at least Ohio state's made it kind of interesting now. I think Ohio state still has one major flaw and that's uh, they can't get to the quarterback. And if Alabama has time, has all day, um, I don't know if they'll match points, enough points with Alabama. I think the Alabama defense is just too much for Ohio State uh, once again. I, I think that eventually Ohio State will not be able to outscore Alabama. I think Alabama scores at will. I mean, I believe Purdue, for the most part, part scored pretty easily on Ohio State. I don't think Ohio State can – can stop Alabama enough times to win that game. I, I think that Ohio State is good enough to make the Final Four because there really aren't too many other contenders. But I think they probably match up um, pretty poorly against Alabama. I think Alabama on a neutral field 
will win that game by eight-plus points. I, I really like the Tide in that matchup. Ohio State won't get to the quarterback, and that's big trouble. I almost forgot there is one more game on conference championship weekend that we can get excited in air quotes over, which is the replaying of the Cal versus USC game, which is going to be just on a random Pac-12 network during conference championship week as well. So we can always turn on that if Baylor and Oklahoma gets boring. Oh, that is brutal. Two programs. (laughs) Two programs going nowhere fast in the Golden State, Kyle. Yeah, no, I I think I think Cal has uh, has there there five seconds of mention here is enough Cal football for this year that we don't need to discuss them anymore. Uh, Cincinnati's going to get the last playoff spot, aren't they? Well, it's all predicated on Oklahoma State. You know, I, I, I think it's hard to put Cincinnati in over Oklahoma State if Oklahoma State defeats Oklahoma and Baylor. Uh, I just the the body of work of Oklahoma State to me is uh, is far more impressive than Cincinnati. Um, Oklahoma State is, uh, is is a good football team. They have a great defense. They they probably should have won, not should have won, but could have won the game in Ames, Iowa. Uh, great stat for you, Kyle. The Oklahoma State Cowboys are against the spread 100% in the Big 12. That is unheard of. That is unprecedented. They have covered the number every Big 12 game they played this year. I believe they were a seven-point road dog at Iowa State and lost by four. So the Cowboys, to me, if they win these next two games, especially Bedlam, they get my vote as the number four seed, and the Buckeyes get my number. Probably, well, the Buckeyes may slip up to number two if they beat Michigan and Wisconsin and Alabama loses to Georgia. It's really, you know, it doesn't really matter. Alabama loses to Georgia by a small margin. I think Alabama probably slips to the three or four seed. So that could change everything. But I think you're looking at Oklahoma State, Ohio State, as long as the Cowboys win out. If the Cowboys slip up, and Ohio State wins, maybe Cincinnati gets in there. But what will really be interesting to see is if Michigan beats Ohio State and, and Oklahoma State wins. There's just going to be a lot of controversy there. But, no, Cincinnati is definitely a team that should feel pretty good about where they're at right now. Uh, obviously, committee rankings come out tomorrow. They have now, you know, they're going to go ahead of Oregon, which is huge for them. But I think you I think you also can consider Michigan in the final four with wins over Ohio State and Wisconsin. Oklahoma State is actually favored in Bedlam this weekend. I was surprised. I was surprised. They're, they're three and a half point favorites right now. And I, I would have thought Oklahoma just on principle would be favored against Oklahoma State, but I guess maybe not. I guess Oklahoma State does have a chance to win out and, and slide into that fourth playoff spot. I'm, I guess I had kind of written them off a little bit because I just assumed they would lose to Oklahoma, but they're favored this weekend. Oklahoma State never beats Oklahoma, Kyle, but the difference between this year, I think, in any other year is that the variance of the defensive play between the two schools is such a huge variance. Oklahoma State, best defense in the conference. Oklahoma, once again, underwhelming on defense. I, I think Oklahoma State can make enough stops to win this game. It's a no play for me, but I'm telling you, Kyle, this defense is legit. It's You have to look at the stats, the rankings. I don't really follow that. You may do so uh, a lot more than I do, but I would imagine Oklahoma State's a top-10 defense in the country. 
Yeah, I know everyone's made the jokes this year that they're basically just a Big Ten team, like a, like a sheep in wolf's clothing, trying to win games 17 to 10 in the Big 12 this year. But I, I do know they've been playing good defense, even if I haven't really watched very much Oklahoma State football this year. I just kind of they, – they've kind of just been hanging around for the entire season. You just assume they'll trip up on one of these like West Virginia or K-State or – Oklahoma games at some point and they they haven't done that yet obviously they lost to Iowa State when Iowa State was really rolling but hasn't really happened this year it's been it's been a dandy season for Oklahoma State and I did not see that coming all the way until like this week where we have to start pondering whether they have a real playoff chance oh they do and I think I think if they get through these next two games it's hard to put Cincinnati over Oklahoma State. And I think it's hard to put Cincinnati over Michigan if Michigan can somehow beat Ohio State and Wisconsin. I, I think Cincinnati uh, deserves to be out of the playoffs because they just didn't beat anybody. And they went on that three-week stretch, Kyle, where they didn't even come close to covering the number, uh, beating teams you know, like Tulsa and USF and Navy by very slim margins compared to what they were favored by in Vegas. You are a, a big college football guy, and you, uh, your expertise is much appreciated here, as always. Do you think you could explain how Stanford beat Oregon? No, but, you know, I think <laughs> – I, 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 well, I, I could tell you that I watched that game, and I watched the vast majority of the fourth quarter and overtime. And I watched uh, – well, first of all, there was – like I, I think I mentioned this on your, your podcast a couple of weeks ago or perhaps last week that – a very poor late pass interference call that would have ended the game uh, for the Oregon Ducks to win was called. It just, it wasn't even close. It was such a poor call uh, by the official and that happens. It's part of the game. Uh, But there, here's what, here's my best explanation, Kyle. And and it happens so often in college sports is they're kids. They're young. They're 18, they're 19, they're 20 years old. They have distractions. They're not being paid. Uh, Things go wrong in game some some of these student athletes lose track of sight. They they get distracted. They don't care. What do I care? We're not gonna we're not winning the national championship. I'm not gonna give my best effort. I want to stay healthy for next season or the NFL draft. So I'm not gonna go all out. I mean, I'm telling you, these elements are in play every single game because uh, you know it, it 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 takes just two or three on one side of the ball not to buy in every play. And that can change the complexion of the outcome. And I think what you saw was a very undisciplined Oregon Ducks team at the end. A lot, two personal foul penalties, silly penalties by the Ducks that gave Stanford a small prayer. I mean, Stanford had to go 92 yards, I believe, down seven to tie it and go to overtime. That's all a reflection of, you could say, coaching and, and no discipline these young people just making stupid plays for no reasons, late hits. So, I mean, I, mean, I gave you a long answer there, but I, I think they're young kids, and, and you don't see these massive upsets in the pros. You saw it on Sunday in Nashville, but it just doesn't happen but what maybe two to four times per year where a team uh, is at home or on the road in the NFL and gets shellacked when they should have won. And the Titans one feels like more explainable because you see five turnovers and a plus four margin for the Texans. And it's like, oh, I see. The Texans kind of the Texans got a lot of turnover help, and that kind of is the single thing that helps explain it. But the the joke I was setting up there was since beating Oregon, Stanford has gone 
18-point loss to Arizona State, three-point loss to Wazoo, seven-point loss to Washington, 45-point loss to Utah, 21-point loss to Oregon State, and 30-point loss to Cal, setting up their last game of the season against Notre Dame, where they've already clinched last place in a Pac-12 North, where two coaches have already been fired in that division. So all of that to say, that is probably one of those weirdest results that we don't know what to do with for the next, I don't know, you know, couple of years. And it derails that one Oregon season. And I find it incredibly funny as they play a primetime game against Notre Dame this week. Yeah. And I think David Shaw's conservative coaching, you know, it, it did work for a long time because he had the right personnel. Some great running backs have gone through uh, Palo Alto, but, when you don't have a great running game or a great offensive line and you approach uh, some of these teams that, you know, are playing a ton of RPO in the Pac-12 like Oregon and Arizona State and, and other teams that are high octane, it's tough to catch up. And the personnel is just not coming to the farm anymore. And I think David Shaw's approach needs to change in order to compete unless he gets lucky and finds another Toby Gerhardt. Uh, or another Andrew Luck, you know, these guys are just not coming to Stanford. The restrictions to get to Stanford are very difficult. So a very big uphill battle for for David Shaw and the Stanford Cardinal. But I think Stanford's just one of those cyclical teams. Like, they're going to be bad for a few years, you know, as we saw in the early 2000s where they were terrible for like six or seven straight years. And then they go on their Rose Bowl runs where they they land in the Rose Bowl every other year, and they're always a gritty team. Right now, they're on a bad stretch, and I have confidence in, in a school like Stanford, one of the greatest institutions in America, to rise again. Just got to get better personnel and maybe perhaps a coaching change. And this kind of happens in college football where when you're one of the programs that – Stanford does have a lot of resources. They just don't put it all towards football. But when you're one of the programs that does have, like, middle-of-the-road finances, you can be bad for an extended period of time. But eventually the cycles will work out because the other programs will have bad years. And we're seeing it this year with Mississippi State making a bowl game, Ole Miss making a bowl game, uh, Arkansas making a bowl game this year. And it's like, well, those teams are usually pretty bad. So that means, you know, if we go to the flip side, Florida is really bad. LSU is really bad. Auburn is really bad this year. And those are programs that would normally be at the top. So I think, yeah, the, the, the rotation will kick in at some point. Stanford and Washington were the programs of the last decade, and now they've kind of faded to the background a little bit. And they'll retool, and other teams will have their moment in the sun, and then those two will swing back at some point in the Pac-12, I assume. Yeah, it's cyclical. It will happen, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, anything interesting from the NFL that you uh, picked up on or looking forward to or just excited for around Thanksgiving? Uh, Let's start with Buffalo. Um, This is a team that has no identity with a running game, and it has caught up to them. The Buffalo Bills have beaten bad football teams, and when they play somebody that is good – they lose Kyle. So they are a huge disappointment, not just as a fan. I just, I just think if you're just someone who watches the NFL and expected better things from the Buffalo bills, you're, you have to be disappointed on their inability to run the ball and also the inability to stop the run. Uh, so the bills, very, very uh, fraudulent team right now. And we'll see how they do on Thanksgiving, you know, as they travel to new Orleans, that's a very interesting game. Very excited to see that. Um, I think the Raiders are dead. I think what what transpired over the last 
uh, four weeks with Ruggs and Gruden has become a little bit too much to overcome. Uh, I think the Raiders have showed over the last two weeks that that their season is is over, and the AFC West is not an easy uh, division to uh, to to win when you have the Chargers that can play incredible offense, no defense. And what we said last week was a shocker. The Kansas City defense has finally risen from the dead, and they're playing good football. Still don't know what's going on with that offense, but good enough right now uh, to win several games in a row, which is for them, I think, three in a row, maybe four, and a pretty good path to win the AFC West. Um, Another team that I think can be good is Minnesota, and we saw it yesterday. I mean, this is bad coaching over the last few years with Zimmer. The personnel is there, Kyle. The offensive weapons are there. The defense is pretty solid. But can you figure out a way to win football games, uh, not at a 500 level, but, you know, win the next, you know, five out of seven games, put yourself in the playoffs? The Vikings are a dangerous team, and I think they are a good team. And I'm glad I didn't play that game yesterday. I stayed away from that game. That game was really difficult to handicap. So the Vikings are my uh, my team that I think has the most potential and has to uh, figure out a way to, to reach its potential because I do think that they are a threat to Green Bay in the NFC, and I think they're a threat to Tampa Bay as well. Just got to figure it out. So those are my takes from yesterday. Uh, always excited for Thanksgiving football for the exception of Chicago, Detroit. I don't see how many people can get excited about that, but that's why you have a chance to bet the game, play a little DFS. Uh, Vegas, I think, is going downhill. I think Dallas takes care of them, and that Buffalo-New Orleans game, man, I, I don't know. I, I, I just, ugh. It's really difficult to handicap both teams right now. I just, I like the Lions Thanksgiving game. I know people dump on it all the time, but I like watching the Lions Thanksgiving game because I, I got to be honest, I like the fact that Thanksgiving games are just something you can pop in on and not have to worry about them having like real stakes to it because they've been Lions and Cowboys, which despite the Cowboys have been okay. The Cowboys have been a, an average team every now and then they'll have big stakes to games. But I kind of like the idea that Thanksgiving games don't have a lot of stakes behind them. So even if it's going to be bad football this year, because the Bears and Lions, Lord knows, is bad football and Andy Dalton and Tim Boyle really is bad football I'm, I'm I like the idea that we put the Lions there every year just to lose because we, we've had our Instagram page for five years and every year we, we make the meme of uh I think it's Brian Griffin from Family Guy with the Lions is talking about it's Thanksgiving shouldn't you be in Detroit losing a football game and the Lions have not won in five years of, of running that page they have never won on Thanksgiving and wow. I like that idea that we, we can just keep watching the Lions lose on Thanksgiving and that the game's not going to have any stakes to it. I kind of like that idea. Well, I'm glad that you enjoy the Detroit Lions on Thanksgiving <laughs> because you may be one of very few people that can appreciate it. I understand. It's a tradition. It, it's great to, you know, turn on the TV and you see, you know, that field and it's just something that, you know, you've been seeing for nearly all of your life if you were – you know, if you're my age or older, you had a chance to see the Pontiac Silverdome as part of your Thanksgiving tradition. And Ford Field, by the way, Kyle, I've been there. It's a beautiful venue. And unfortunately, these fans have just not had a good product in that stadium. But a uh, very, very clean, classy-looking facility. Um, but the Lions are just very hard to understand 
uh, how bad you can be consistently. And if I had to put money on the game, I, I guess I'm going Chicago money line, small, probably will. It's a Thanksgiving tradition. You have to bet the game. Let's go bear small money line. <laughs> it's a must. It's it's a it's a must do it. I love I love that Thanksgiving games are you gotta have some kind of stakes on it. It makes Thanksgiving a little more fun, even if it's the team. I mean, you just said it right now, like four teams that we feel like, yep, yeah, it's pretty much pretty much a wrap for them at this point. We the Raiders are falling apart. The 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 Saints are kind of holding on. But- we had feedback. We know the Bears and Lions stink. So, you know what? Let's add some stakes to Thanksgiving. How about it? Get your FanDuel DraftKings lineup ready. It's a Thanksgiving tradition the last few years. Uh, playing DFS has saved some of these games that have been dreadful. But, yeah, I mean, you got to bet the games Thanksgiving. You got to have mashed potatoes, got to have the ham, got to have the green beans, got to throw a little mac and cheese, and you have to bet. Yes. Those are yes. Thanksgiving mac and traditions. Yep. Uh, I'm glad you mentioned that mac and cheese is allowed at Thanksgiving. It is very much a thing. It, mac and cheese is always a good meal, but it's a, it's a Thanksgiving meal for sure. You, you got to include some mac. Thanksgiving, Christmas, both need more mac and cheese. That is something I will fight for aggressively here. Mac and cheese underrated for Thanksgiving. It's it's got to be there. It's got to be there. All the way, all the way there. Um, <laughs> I just realized half the quarterbacks are going to be Andy Dalton, Trevor Simeon, and Tim Boyle as well. It's going to be a lovely Thanksgiving for all of us. <laughs> Absolutely awful. No, it uh, doesn't matter. You're right. But like I said, it doesn't matter. It's Thanksgiving. Watch the games. Bet the games. Doesn't matter who's out there. I'm looking forward to it. One of my favorite traditions. As am I. Best of luck to you for the rest of the weekend and enjoy your Thanksgiving. All right, appreciate it, Kyle. Let me just plug uh, Beer Life Sports as always. We uh, we ask you to follow us at beerlife.com. We have a great monthly subscription for $49.95. If you use my promo code RAZOR50, it's going to be 50% off the first month. The Oracle, yet again, continues to win. He continues to win for us. His model is hitting, whether it's a big money line underdogs or simply against the spread. This guy cashes tickets left and right. We had a couple unit plays that cashed yesterday, the Kansas City Chiefs. Pittsburgh plus six, got a little bit lucky there, but it all cashed. So, again, beerlife.com, Razor50 is your promo code to save some money. Do it, and use the link in the description to this episode as well, and I'll plug that at the beginning as well because you you guys have a lot of cool stuff going on over there in the gambling world, so – uh, make sure to support Razor because he supports us with free podcasts all the time, and it is always much appreciated. Wait a minute. I'm not getting paid? I thought I was getting a check. Come on, man. I'm expecting these checks in the mail every weekend. Um, maybe eventually. I, I, you want me to PayPal you five bucks? I can, I, I can make it worth it there. I'll take it. You know, that, that, that goes a long way. That's going to pay for a box of mac and cheese for Thanksgiving. We'll, we'll take your $5 through PayPal. And, and all kidding aside, Kyle, listen, you have a great Thanksgiving. I always appreciate you uh, having me on your show. And uh, good luck to your listeners. And follow us, Beer Life Sports, Instagram and Twitter.